grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. There's a lot going on in that Athanasian Creed, isn't there? Unbegotten and begotten, created and uncreated, persons and substance, trinity and unity and unity and trinity. It's a lot, I know it. Don't let your eyes gloss over there, because this stuff, I assure you, it's not just for pastors, it's not just for theologians with doctor next to their name. That Athanasian Creed, that's for you, because it confesses who God is, that He is Father, and that He is Son, and that He is Holy Spirit. In fact, here's the thing. And it's true whether you're ready for it or not. So here it goes. The whole purpose of your life, the very meaning for your entire existence and life itself, is to actually know the Holy Trinity better and to believe in Him and to trust in Him alone. It all began the day when you were baptized. Baptized right into the name of the Holy Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You came to the baptismal font that day with mom and dad, but you left a child of God, joined to a holy family, with God as your father, with the church as your mother, with Christ as your brother, and with the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And then just imagine also all the holy angels at your beckoning call, right up now to this very day. Now maybe you're thinking, that's all fine and good, Pastor, but I just can't see all that. It's all fine and good for a lofty Sunday sermon, but I've got a real life down here to live with work and responsibilities. So, Pastor, how about we keep our heads out of the clouds, why don't we, and just keep things nice and practical down here? But just tell that to the prophet Isaiah, who lived a real-world life just like you. In our first reading this morning, Isaiah, he's serving on elder duty at the temple, And somewhere amid the smoke of the incense and the blood of the sacrifices and the preaching of God's word, all of earth it dropped away and heaven became visible. And he looked up and he saw the divine glory, the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the whole temple. And honor guard seraphim flanked him on either side. And they flew and they sang to the most holy trinity. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. And at that hymn of the angels singing, the earth it shook. The temple it filled with smoke as Isaiah stood before the presence of of the Most Holy Trinity. 
What's the point here? Well, so much of the Christian life is recognizing that this world right before us, which we see, it's not all there is. And we've all got to order our lives according to unseen realities. Unseen realities that matter in an ultimate sort of way. And this gets right down to what we might call everyday, practical, real-life concerns. So I want you to pay careful attention to what that meant for Isaiah when earth dropped away and he stood in the presence of the triune God. Because at that moment, the most practical concern that he had was his deep sinfulness his impurity in a place that called for perfect holiness. Woe is me, Isaiah cried out, for I am lost, I am sinful, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And at that confession, the seraphim angel that flew over to Isaiah, and with a burning coal taken with tongs from the fiery altar, and pressed it to his lips, saying, Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. Isaiah's sins, they were forgiven right then and there, all cleansed by the passion of Christ, who as a coal, according to the flesh, burnt up all of our sins on the altar of the cross. And once forgiven, only then was Isaiah so willing and able to proclaim God's holy word to the whole world. There's a bit of a contrast this morning in our readings, because what Isaiah saw this morning, Nicodemus fails to see. But the problem isn't so much with his eyes as it is with his ears, because he fails to recognize the voice of him who was enthroned in the temple before Isaiah, not realizing that the Holy One of Israel, whose robe filled the temple and was flanked by seraphim angels, now stands before him in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, God's own Son. There, standing right in front of Nicodemus, is the entire temple and the unseen world that Isaiah just briefly had beheld. So Nicodemus, smart, intelligent, and scholarly as he was, just couldn't grasp who Jesus was or what his kingdom was all about. So Jesus, he points to baptism, points to Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness, foreshadowing his salvation, which he would win by going to the cross so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus, he shows Nicodemus and us that he is the key to unlocking the whole unseen world and bridging heaven and earth. Now that day, Nicodemus, he may have walked away with cloudy vision, unclear about the identity of Jesus and what this kingdom was all about. 
But God, he worked faith in Nicodemus' heart. And when our Lord was crucified, Nicodemus, who once came to Jesus so timid by night, came to him so boldly in the light of day. He helped take Jesus' beaten and bloody body down from the cross. He tenderly wrapped him in a linen shroud. He gave him a burial fit for a king. And he laid him gently in the earth. For a fellow who preachers commonly pick on for just not getting it, and not seeing, and not understanding, the truth is, is that no one got it better than Nicodemus. Because he was the first to get his hands on the crucified body of our Lord. You might call him the first theologian of the cross. Because that's where the glory of God has always got to be found. So this morning, let us all learn from him. Isaiah, he caught a glimpse of the triune God in his earthly lifetime. But what's that compared with what you've got? Right here and right now. The crucified and risen and ascended Lord right before you. The Holy Spirit poured into your hearts. And baptized into his name. That burning coal pressed to Isaiah's lips wasn't plain wood, but wood united with fire. And the bread of Holy Communion is not plain bread, but bread united with divinity. And pressed to your sin-parched lips with the chalice of God's fiery love to purify you, to strengthen you, and to fortify you. Also that when you come into the presence of God on that great and final day when earth gives way, that you would stand before him in righteousness and purity forever and sing to the triune God with all the angels, holy, 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 heaven and earth are full of thy glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.